Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Money Talks. My name is Humar. Hope you're doing well. Remember, we have brought on entrepreneurs and thought leaders to deliver actionable advice to you, small business owners and entrepreneurs. Very excited to have my guest today, the founder of Financeability in Scottsdale, Arizona, Stephanie Sims. Stephanie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? Excellent. Uh, super psyched to have you on and uh, get into a little bit more about how you are helping business owners. Could you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. So I have about a decade in investment banking, both in the US and in Europe. And from there, I moved into a company, a high-tech manufacturing company that was funded by both venture capitalists and angels. So I've kind of seen the investment or the funding game from both sides. But the way that I got to doing what I'm doing now is my parents owned a business when I was in high school, God, forever ago. <laughs> and Not that um, long ago. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. You're, you're too kind. Um, but they, they'd been very successful in this business. But at the point in time when they wanted to retire, right. they were really struggling to find someone to buy their business. And I realized it's not because they're not good business owners. It's because they don't understand how to talk about their business as an investment. And I realized that happens to people all across the spectrum. And that's what I really help people do now. That, yeah, that was great. Thank you for that. That that was a great background because you talk about, you know, you have your background in investment banking and then all the way through talking about, you know, the business business that your your parents were running. So you can from you 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 really have a great understanding kind of how it all starts as far as building a business up, the funding of the business, the running of the business to what usually will happen is the eventual sale of a business. So um that's that's a great perspective. Yeah, well, thank you. It's it's a lot of fun to see people get excited about their businesses, but I, I try to help them in the part where they're really frustrated because they see a way to grow, but they don't know how to find the money to do it. All right. Well, that's that's why we're here. Let's let's get into that. So maybe let's talk, you know, specifically about that and you know what you're doing on a you know a day to day basis with financeability. Sure. So I work with early stage entrepreneurs who don't necessarily have a financial person on their team. Um, and, you know, you know this too, working uh, in the finance world, most entrepreneurs are not finance people. Sure. And so they don't, they don't really get all of the different pieces that they need to put into place to understand the financial health of their business. And I'm really focused on helping them know their numbers before they go and look for capital because a lot of times those numbers can tell you that it may not be the right time to look for capital, or you may be looking for the wrong kind of capital, and you're just setting yourself up for a lot of heartache if you go and you know pound on doors that that are just not going to be interested because you're not the right kind of investment for them. Right. That that's really interesting. How can you tell us how um, you know last year, as we know, was all, was extremely difficult. How, maybe take us through kind of you know, what your process was last year, because obviously, you know, the door, you know, the door shut on all of us in the world, you know, mid-March and, you know, we were all dealing with the unfortunate pandemic. Maybe talk a little bit about how that kind of impacted you and your business and, and your clients. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great question. And there's a little bit of counterintuitiveness that came out of 2020. Um, I don't know if you've seen the, the numbers, but actually venture capital did had a great year. Yes. They, they raised a lot of money and they actually invested quite a bit of money as well. Um, but I don't think that was happening in March and April. <laughs> you know, that was all kind of happening towards the end of the year. Right. After people really adapted to the new situation. And the thing that, the thing that I saw that was really interesting is 
people got used to Zoom meetings and to sort of this change in the way that they approached connecting with the investment community. And I think it really helped the entrepreneurs and it also helped the investors um, in a couple of ways. One, everybody realized that you don't necessarily have to be in the same room to build a relationship, right? which I think is super important, not just for business, but for everything. But I think the second thing is that a lot of people realized, oh, you know what? I used to waste a lot of time um, going, traveling to places and trying to meet startups or trying to meet investors. And maybe I, if I get better at targeting who I want to talk to, I can actually be more efficient in the process. Yeah, no, that's, those are great points, um, you know, as far as how, you know, the world has changed, but now we've all figured out how best to kind of leverage all that time we're now all, we're saving by not being in a car, not traveling to the airport, not getting on a plane and going wherever we're going. So that time seems to be really being maximized by, by you know, many people right now. Exactly. And it's, it's hilarious because I also saw a lot of people who panicked and then turned that sort of panic energy into something productive and pivoted, right, to, to right. kind of move forward. Um, and I'm happy to say that that was most of the people I dealt with. Um, I did see some people who really let that panic sort of turn into paralysis. And I think it's been really, really hard for those folks because they didn't, they just didn't know what to do. And they were kind of stuck, like, where do I go? What happens? Um, but, but I think it opened up a lot of opportunities. I've seen several businesses who, who felt like in March, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world, and who now are in a, a new area of their industry, but are doing incredibly well. That's that's great. No, that's always I always love to hear. We always like to hear the, the the positive stories that have come out of last year because we know unfortunately there's a lot of jobs that were lost, still trying to recover those jobs. But there's a lot of stories where, you know, there are jobs being created. Talk about how, you know, you you mentioned this, you know, when you have the client, if you will, that has this kind of paralysis from last year. Maybe talk us through when you're kind of having to manage that and 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 help, you know, help them get through or her get through that kind of uh that kind of issue. Yeah. So I, I think that so much of entrepreneurship is mental, right? It's, it's the mindset that you bring to it. And quite yeah. often we, we get in our own ways. I'm an entrepreneur too. You are as well. And so, you know, this, we, we get in our own ways because all of a sudden we get tunnel vision. Well, the only thing that's going to solve my problem is whatever, right? A new client or investment funding or a miracle, <laughs> but we get this, we get this tunnel vision about what's going to solve our problem. And a lot of times what I can do for folks is I can provide that outside perspective by just asking a few questions, right? Some what if questions, right? right? And, and one of the most powerful questions that I find when I talk to people who think that money is their biggest challenge is, okay, great. Let's say that you had a check right now for a million dollars or whatever amount of funding it is that you're looking for. Tell me what you do first. What's the very first thing that you take that money and you go do in your business? And a lot of times they're stuck because the truth is they don't really know what they're going to do, but they feel like the money gives them freedom to figure it out. Right. And that's where I'm like, oh, well, maybe we should do a little work on what we're going to do first. And then we know that we're looking for the right amount of money and we might be able to find other places to get it instead of thinking that the money is really what's keeping us from moving forward. Yeah, that, that's a really great point because clearly if you're a founder, 
you know, you're always concerned about your your cash flow and raising capital, getting, you know, from series A to series B, et cetera. But to your point, you know, all of a sudden, what do you do when, you know, you get a million dollar check or or five million dollar check or whatever that amount is? And like to your experience, a lot of these founders, they don't have the answer. And and that's where you come in and really add a lot of value. Maybe talk us through you know, up your process as far as if you meet a new prospect or a new client is in, in kind of maybe a 30,000 foot view of kind of how that all works. Sure. So one of the first things that I really encourage people to do is to make sure that they know that they're asking for the right amount of money, right? If they're going right. to embark on this fundraising journey, which generally takes three to six months, um, you want to make sure you're doing it right. You don't want to have to come back and do it in six months because you didn't ask for the right amount of money or end up getting yourself into trouble because you've taken on too much capital and you've ended up giving away too much of the business. Uh, so the first thing I try to help people do is really understand the numbers and build what I call a milestone-based ask. So a lot of people are like, well, I need a million dollars because I want to hire someone. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's great. But an investor is not really interested in you hiring someone. They're interested in what that means to your business. Right. right? So if you're going to hire someone, for example, a lot of people uh, who may not be sales experts may hire someone who has a big Rolodex, right? I want to hire someone with lots of context in my industry, which usually costs a lot of money. Well, if you can say, I'm going to bring on someone who will, excuse me, who will be able to close 10 new customers in their first three months. Okay. An investor can get behind that. They can get right. really excited about spending money to get 10 new sales. However, they're not excited about spending money for the sake of bringing someone onto your company, right? Like that's not something an investor is excited about. They want to see how it moves your business forward. Right. And so like, that's the beginning of the conversation is, okay, great. How is what you're trying to, to acquire in terms of resources going to impact your business progress, not just what you're going to spend the money on? That's great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, there's a lot of moving pieces to that. It can be very fluid and you know, like I said, you, you're obviously providing a great resource to to the people that you're working with. What, how do you see? You know, you, you made a great point as to how you know there's a lot of activity going on in the venture space in the back half of last year. Maybe talk a little bit about what you're seeing because, as we know, you know there is a lot of capital. There's a lot of money that's flooding into a lot of deals right now. Um, you know a lot in the fintech space, which a lot of people I'm talking to and other businesses. But yet there's a lot of people that are having trouble getting access to capital. How do you kind of see that, you know, from those both sides, I guess? Yeah, well, so it's, so it's a great question because I think one of the other kind of misconceptions about funding is that there's just this pool of money and it's out there for any kind of company at any stage, right? right? And the reality is that a lot of the money that's being raised for by, by venture capitalists is later stage money. Now, I'm not saying, you know, publicly traded companies, but in the relative world of, of startups, venture capital can't get involved at the earliest stages, mostly because they need to write really big checks. Right. Right. And most people don't understand. They're like, why should you go talk to a venture capitalist? Because I want to raise 500,000 or a million five or whatever. It's like, that's not the space they play in. Right. They need to get the money out in bigger chunks, which means that they need to write bigger checks. And so they're not going to do 100% of your round. Most of the time they may, but you know they generally want someone else to be part of your round. And so they may um, they may not they may not be interested in you because of the fact that what you're doing is just too small for them. 
So let's talk a little bit about as far as, you know, how, you know, some of the clients you're seeing are getting funding because there's, there's obviously a lot of news about all the capital that's flooding out in the world, doing deals, trying to find deals. Maybe talk a little bit about how you kind of help see, you know, clients understand the realities of that. Yeah. So I think it's a great question because a lot of times folks confuse funding and they think there's this big pot of money that's just out there for any kind of company at any stage. And the reality is that there are different kinds of capital for different stages of business and for different types of companies. And one of the big misconceptions is that venture capital can invest at very early stages. And the truth is that it's very hard for them to do that because they're writing generally bigger checks because that's how they get the massive amount of investment that they have in their fund out into uh, in getting it, get it working for them as quickly as possible. So if you're raising a smaller round, venture capital might be interested in your industry, but they might not be interested in you because you're right. raising too little capital to make it worth their while. Um, and I think that one of the big things that a lot of people don't understand is venture as a as a group may have raised a lot of capital and put a lot of capital to work, but that's happening at later and later stages of development of companies. And so if you're an early stage company where you've got a product, but not a lot of traction, you may not be a fit for venture capital. You're still probably playing in the angel investment space, which means that all that money that's been raised by venture capital is not really flowing down to you yet. As your company grows, it can come to you, but that's not who's going to be investing in your company at that early stage. That's yeah, that's a great point. Uh, thank you for that. You had a really interesting blog. Um, I can't exactly recall when it's called Jedi Mind Tricks for, for financing. Do you, I don't know if you recall that. Oh my gosh, that's from a while ago. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was, I was looking around at you. Know, you have a great site. And I just, uh, I saw Jedi. So, like, okay, this is interesting. So, I don't know if you could, maybe there's any insights to that. I thought that was an interesting piece you wrote. Yeah, so I'll have to go back and look at it. I haven't looked at it in a while, but but one of the one of the sort of mind tricks that I help founders leverage to to be successful in fundraising is this notion that fundraising is just like sales and marketing, which means you need an ideal client and you need a message that resonates with them. Right. <laughs> and quite often that's the place where many founders kind of shoot themselves in the foot because they go out to their network and they're like, "Hey, I'm looking for investors. Anyone want to introduce me?" And and of course, you might get randomly someone who's a good fit for you that way, but it's kind of like standing up on the town square and saying, "Hey, I sell this thing. Does anyone want to buy it?" <laughs> yeah, no, that that's excellent because we all have to have a, va a value proposition. We have to as I say, we all have to be authentic in whatever we're doing. And that includes, you know, that includes the people you're the founders and the entrepreneurs that you're you're talking to that, you know, obviously they 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 want you to help them figure out how to best run their businesses and, and raise capital. And, you know, I guess you have to sometimes put on your marketing hat, if you will, and remind remind the founders that you, you know, you as your messaging clear as far as what you're what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve. Exactly. And I think this is where um, there's a lot of people out there who are there to help you build your client base, right? So there's a lot of sales and marketing experts out there. I don't know that there's a lot of people who are very good at helping you understand your investment proposition or the value proposition that you provide to an investor. And that's kind of at the heart of what I do. Yeah. No, and listen, it's, I, I really appreciate it. It's, you know, it's an amazing resource that you are, you know, 
all you know in your business but especially in the last 12 months and going forward because we've really seen this this shift where you know unfortunately a lot of jobs have been lost but there's also the other side where you're seeing more and more businesses entrepreneurs starting you know creating startups trying to really take advantage of what's been this change to a very digital economy, if you will. It's one of my themes that I always talk about. We've kind of moved from this analog world into this digital world. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting. Um, obviously, software is at the heart of a lot right. of the venture capital big successes, right? I mean, even if you look at you know the, the publicly traded companies that are coming out of venture, those are all sort of software plays, technology-based. And I think, you're, I think it's true that we're seeing a shift towards digital and every company, I can't remember who said it, every company in some respect is going to be a tech company going right. forward. But one of the things that I think is going to be interesting to watch as we come out of the, the pandemic and we start to look at what this recovery looks like, I think there's a lot of nostalgia. Like a lot of people I'm talking to are really nostalgic for like personal connections and really excellent customer service, like someone who knows them, who understands them and not in a, uh, I automated your first name stuck into an email kind of way, but in right. a much deeper way, like how do I create more personal connections with the people I'm working with? And so I think it's going to be interesting to see how we adapt to that desire, given how far we are excuse me, along sort of that that technological curve, right? right? Everybody's kind of into automation, but like we may have to pull that back a little bit and say, okay, what are the pieces of my business that really rely on me being a human and connecting with the other people in my business in a human way? Great point. Yeah, I agree. We've all been, you know, fortunately, unfortunately subjected to using Zoom and, you know, and and all the other technologies that you know we've been forced to use because you know we have been able to get on airplanes etc. So that's a, that's an excellent point. Is we'll see we'll probably we'll see more of that and people you know you know really wanting that that touch and that customer service as part of their businesses. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so and during all my episodes, I like to uh, give the guests an opportunity to to ask me a question or two because I, you know, I sit here and, and pepper them for very long periods of time. So, uh, you know, I wanted to give you the uh, the floor and uh, and ask away anything that you'd like to uh, to to uh, inquire about. Sure. So we talked a little bit about these early stage companies really needing angel investment. Right, which is in case you're not sure what angel investing is, angel investors are people who take their own capital, right. so their own investment money, and they choose to invest it into startups. Now, obviously, it's a it's a lower dollar amount than perhaps a venture capital is going to invest, but it's still a significant investment for them in their portfolio. And I know that you help people figure out how to make their investments. How do you talk to them about angel investing, or or do you suggest that they don't do it until they're at a I don't know, a certain level of knowledge or have a certain skill set? No, great question. Thank you for that. So, yeah, as part of what we're doing in the last couple of years, you know, we felt that, you know, first, you know, for clients that, you know, have enough net worth that diversifying into alternatives is, is really important. Um, you know, public markets have become very distorted. Um, valuations are very distorted because of where interest rates are. So, you know, we, we'd like to find other avenues to help, you know, generate returns and give some diversification, if you will, to clients. And, and, and we have recently actually started to have conversations with, you know, 
institutions that have early stage venture type businesses. And we are, we're talking, you know, talking to our clients through that because, you know, there's definitely a longer runway as far as, you know, your money is being tied up for longer, but, you know, we're dealing with smart managers that are looking to kind of diversify money in businesses that we feel like are really going to grow and expand over the next five and 10 years. Because as we've seen, our opinion is that the gas pedal for innovation has been hit and, and it just went from zero to a hundred in, you know, three seconds last year, you're seeing it, you know, across the board in healthcare, you know, um, Andreessen Horowitz, the big venture capital firm in Silicon Valley is famous for their quote, software is eating the world. Um, so, you know, I, I, I have some belief in that and you're seeing it across the board. So, you know, we like to find, you know, really smart, you know, investors that have a long track record in, in doing this kind of work and get where the trends are, you know, telemedicine, healthcare, software, um, you know, any innovation, fintech, this is where you're seeing really smart people, very young, smart people really growing their businesses. So if we can find managers that are, are finding those opportunities, then, you know, we want to be a part of that. Yeah. And I think, I think your point about diversification is so important because quite often uh, this is where individuals, right? Individual angels run into trouble. Um, right. they, they don't really have a thesis and they're like, well, somebody asked me to invest in their company. So I wrote them a check for, you know, $5,000 <laughs> or 20 grand, 20 grand or whatever it is. And, right. and they do that five or six times. And then they realize, oh, but none of this money is coming back. And three of the companies right. went bankrupt. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's also because you weren't necessarily going into it with a clear construction of the portfolio. And so you invested in five things that were exactly the same right. or, you know, five people at exactly the same stage, for example. Yeah, no, those are all excellent points. It's, you know, one, there has to be this understanding of liquidity. You know, it's not, you're putting your money into an ETF and you can sell it tomorrow. It's not, you know, you're not buying Tesla to sell tomorrow. You're buying businesses that are literally starting in some cases, you know, from the ground, right? They're getting started. They're getting out of the gate and, and you know, they may not exit for five, five years or longer. Um, so you have to have that understanding. And, and to your point about diversification, it's definitely a word that in our world is overused as far as what's the definition of that and how that should be used and to the benefit of clients. And I, and that's where we feel that diversification doesn't just mean having, you know, your money in, you know, large cap, mid, small stocks, you know, us foreign, it goes way beyond that, you know, into the world of venture capital into some private equity, just into different places to your point, you know, not, you're not putting five, you know, money into five deals that are all in tech, you know, maybe it's healthcare, this or that, the other, um, but where there's opportunity in different areas. Yeah. And as you, as you talk to folks who are interested in kind of dipping their toe in there, what are some of the, I don't know, common misconceptions that you see them have? I know you, you talked about a couple of them, but is there any sort of big thing that you see them, a big mistake that you see them making that you want them to, to stop making? Well, I mean, I think, I don't know if it's a mistake per se, but it's just having an understanding that, you know, this is, this is a lot, like, this is a true long-term investment that you have to understand that you're, you're, you, if you, you need to have your cat, your capital is going to be tied up. And, you know, you may make 10x and, or you may lose half your money. It's just, it's, it's high risk, high return. 
So it's appropriate for those people that, you know, want to have that ability to withstand an illiquid investment and to understand that your money's going to be, it's going to take time for some of these investments to, you know, hopefully hit their mark. Um, but like I said, it's, it's about finding people that have track records in, 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 and having success, like anything we do in this life, right? Anyone we want to hire in any respect, uh, whether it's me or you or someone else, you know, we want someone that has one that has a value proposition and has a, and has a, has a track record behind them. Because obviously in the world of venture, super high risk for super high return, um, but it's not, you know, we don't like, you know, there's that philosophy of the spray and pray, you know, we don't really want client, you know, investors to be aligned with someone who has that belief, you know, like if we're giving money to early stage venture and they're looking for multiple deals, we, we hope that they're doing it prudently right. as we would do, you know, as we would do here. Well, and I think it's also like the one other thing I would add, and I think those are, those are great points. The one other thing I would add is that it's not an investment class where you sit and hope, right? It's a, it's an investment class where you need to be actively understanding what's happening, not just with the company or the group you've invested with, but with the market more generally. And you need to be thinking to yourself, you know, what do I really believe? Do I really right. believe, for example, that telemedicine is the wave of the future? Right. And And even if somebody tells you, yes, telemedicine is the wave of the future, if you're looking at it, you're like, I just don't see it. Then that's the time to say, look, I'm, that's, that's not for me. Right. Right. And, and I think it's okay sometimes for people to say, uh, just like, it's okay to say, no, that investor is not for me. It's okay to say that investment is not for me either. And be in a relationship with somebody who's helping you that they can accept that and say, okay, great. Let's look for something else that is a better fit. hundred percent. That's a really great point that, yeah, you you know, your philosophy needs to be aligned with whoever you're working with. And, and, and it's, and it's good to, you know, you need, it's some, there are going to be some situations that you need to say no, or don't have a comfort level, then, you know, you, it's, it's not prudent to get involved and, and there's always going to be other opportunities. So, um, it, that, that's a really great piece of advice. So thank you for that. Are, are you, what are you kind of seeing as, um, as we, as we now, in, you know, getting into 2021, what's some, I guess, some thoughts you have or an outlook you have as far as, you know, where you think things are headed, I guess, in your world for this year? Yeah, I think that's a the fifty the fifty million dollar question, the whatever yeah. it is now. Um, you have the I, crystal ball. Yeah, of course, <laughs> everyone has a crystal ball. Mine's in, mine's in the closet right over there. Uh, I think I think that it's going to be because we're in the middle here in the U.S. Obviously, we're in the middle of you know a political change. We've got right. a new administration coming in, and it's it's hard to understand. Um, exactly what's going to be put in place, how quickly, all those things. Uh, so I don't, I don't have any massive predictions about what's going to happen economically. Although I think, generally speaking, there's huge pent up demand. Right. I know there's huge pent up demand for travel. There's huge pent up demand for food and beverage, hospitality. Uh, even though those industries have been really, really hard hit in the last nine months, um, those who have survived, I think, have great opportunities ahead of them as the the pandemic is under control. Uh, I think what's what's going to be really interesting, though, particularly in the funding environment, is to see how many of the investors stick with the new sort of format, which is, okay, great. So now I can meet twice as many companies on Zoom, and maybe I'm just going to be a no travel or a very limited travel. Right. Uh, I'm going to take that approach to to building my pipeline. 
Whereas in the past, um, a lot, so much of that was really face-to-face. And so I'm, I'm going to be interested to follow how that works. And I think that that may actually create a nice shift in the venture community, in the investment community, around which founders are starting to get funded, right? Because then maybe you don't have to be on the stage at a, a YC or a 500 Startups or a Techstars demo day to get the attention of somebody who might not have looked at you before. I haven't seen a lot of evidence to prove that out, but I'm I'm interested to see kind of how that plays out because I think it could really shift, um, you know, who's getting investment and yeah. and get a lot of really innovative ideas into the into the pipeline of folks who might not have seen it before. That's yeah, excellent point. I, I I've looked forward as as to you as to following how that how that kind of unfolds here this year. There are, there's certainly a lot of pent up as you pointed out pent up demand. We'll have to see how that all kind of where the chips fall, if you will, and and see you know how that I guess the administration maybe will steer some of that. So as we conclude, if you could offer you know maybe one piece of actionable advice to you know to the founders entrepreneurs that are are tuning in. Sure. So I would say. Money is not your problem. <laughs> that's my, that's always my advice. If you think that money is what's keeping you from going somewhere, I would encourage you very strongly to rethink that and to play the little game that we talked about earlier, which is if I had all the money in the world, if I had access to all the resources in the world, what's the very first thing I would do? And I would take that first action step and I would see if there's another way for you to get there, right? So, don't focus on, if I had all the money in the world, I'd hire a team of 50 people to go out and sell for me. It mean, That says to me that you need help building a sales process, right? Because you're not comfortable selling. And so if your problem is you don't know how to get sales, find a way to get sales on your own and do it once or twice. And you'll be amazed at how that changes the way investors will look at you because traction solves a ton of problems. That was tremendous. Thank you. That's an amazing piece of advice that you know, I know uh, your clients and prospects and the ones that are listening here uh, should get a lot out of. So uh, thank you for that. And thank you for all your, thank you for your time today and all your, your, your pearls of wisdom in the world of venture and entrepreneurship. Stephanie, it was great to have you. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for having me, Hugh. And I don't know if it was pearls of wisdom, but it's certainly the, the years of experience and I'm happy to share. Um, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it was really it was a it was a great time with you today. I definitely want to have you back on. There's you know this year will be certainly full, hopefully of a lot of positivity in in, in your world, and uh, would would look forward to having you back. Sure, you let me know when you're ready. Thank you, and thank you again, Stephanie. Appreciate your time. Uh, thank you everyone for being here today. Remember, we'll be back next week with another episode of Money Talks. And if you can hit subscribe and hit the like button on the YouTube channel, we'll be back next week. Uh, again, this is Money Talks. Take care. <laughs>